Hi, folks. Welcome back to Box Tablet. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Today, the writer Tilly Olson collaborates on a music project. Tilly Olson died back in 2007. She was 94. During her life, she worked a lot of jobs. She was a union organizer, a waitress, a hotel maid, a factory worker, and she raised four daughters. That didn't leave her a lot of time for writing. But once she did put pen to paper, she made quite a name for herself. She wrote elliptical, realist short stories and often quite angry essays taking on feminism and the plight of working people and social justice issues and the way that creativity is stifled. A few years before she died, Tilly Olson recruited her grandson, Jesse, to help her move out of her San Francisco apartment. Jesse Olson Bay is a musician and a singer, and in the move, he came upon a couple of boxes of what his grandmother called blueies. They were pieces of light blue typewriting paper, the kind that Tilly used. And on these blueies, she wrote down ideas, poems, fragments of stories, none of which were ever published. Jesse was quite taken by these bits of writing, and he asked his grandmother if they could collaborate on setting them to music. She agreed, and the result is an album. It's called Makings. The album has just come out, and Jesse Olson Bay is speaking to us about it from his home studio in Sebastopol, California. Jesse Olson Bay, welcome to Vox Tablet. Thanks, Sarah. Jesse, I'd love it if you could set the scene for us. How exactly did you come upon the bits of writings, the blueies, that day in your grandmother's house? Hmm. Well, let's see. She was a, she was a bit of a pack rat, so um, her study in her apartment in San Francisco was just crammed full of boxes of papers and postcards and mail that was unopened and all kinds of things. And we were kind of just throwing it all into boxes. So um, I think just sort of in the madness of uh, going through these things, I, I caught a glimpse. And there was a certain quality to the writing in these blueies um, that was at once so personal and intimate, but also was really Tilly's writing voice, which anyone who's read her writing knows is just so evocative and descriptive and compelling. So kind of right away, these these words just jumped out at me amidst the, the chaos of all the bills and mail and such. When did you get a chance to look at all of the blueies and how many boxes were there? Well, gosh, I mean, there were dozens of boxes. I should say also that the the definition of what exactly were these blueies was, was a little bit vague. Um, you know, there would just be boxes of notes as well and boxes of sort of things scribbled on index cards. And she kind of called her whole collected unpublished writings her blueies, but they definitely took many forms. So they would be on index cards or little scraps of paper, even written on, 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 on newspapers. Or I think she would kind of write on whatever she found. But the bulk of these papers were written at her typewriter on these blue pieces of paper. And yeah, there must have been 20, 25 boxes of these in all. Um, so definitely tens of thousands of pages that I was working with. Did she have the hope to publish any of these? Well, that's a tricky question. I think I think she had a lot of thoughts about what she might publish, but she was a perfectionist. She was um, the biggest perfectionist I've ever met, and I certainly don't think that anything in the Blueies she would have considered publishable. 
um, I really see this work as my own reflection of Tilly rather than as her writing. I mean, there was so much material to draw on in this project that even just the process of choosing which blueies to work with took it out of the realm of, is this Tilly's work? You know, um, I feel like my work in creating this music was really to offer my own reflection of Tilly's spirit and my own reflection of Tilly's life and her work, using her words as raw material, but really sort of filtering it through my own voice and my own ideas about how to put things together. Well, let's listen to a little bit of music. Uh, I'd love it if you can tell us a little bit about the song called Aging. Yeah, well, Aging... One of the things that I did in in working with these blueies and one of the ways that I sort of narrowed down the material was I went through and uh, pinpointed a handful of big ideas, big subjects that Tilly kept coming back to again and again. And one of them was just her experience of aging. These blueies range from her her whole life, so some of them went back to actually when she was a, a a teenager, um, and she had written some poems, and, and those were stuck into these file boxes as well. And then she was writing up up through her, her 80s as well. So obviously one of the big things that the, that was on her mind was her experience of aging. And I think the song Aging really struck me because it feels so poignant to be able to just read somebody's intimate experience of some of the physical and psychological things that happen as the body starts to break down, as the mind starts to break down. I don't feel like that's something we really get access to so much in this culture, um, especially filtered just through the incredibly descriptive and evocative language of Tilly's writing, because she just has such a way with metaphor and such a way with poetry. So I feel like some of these phrases that she was writing about aging just... They're both so beautiful and utterly heartbreaking. Let's have a listen. Now there is November in my body And I've begun my journey into stone The earthquakes and the fissures The crevices and cracks Covered in the siftings of the years Look upon my face The lines, the pits, the scars The harrowings, the damages of days Read my flesh and bone My skin as if a map The weathers and the rivulets of veins Aging, aging Slowly takes place Find me in my... Tilly Olson was, of course, Jewish. Her parents were Russian immigrants, but she wasn't religious. She did, though, come from a kind of uh, Jewish place in a lot of other ways. You mentioned her social activism and her political activism. But there are, I'm sure, many listeners out there who know nothing about her. And I wonder if you could just give us a primer. Who was she? 
Okay. Um, Tilly was born in Nebraska in um, 1914, and yeah, she she grew up in a family of fervent social activists, um, Jewish activists. Uh, her father was very active in the workman's circle and other Jewish political organizations. And she grew up working. She was a, a worker for her whole life, and she had four children um, at a relatively young age, and she was a, a, a working mother for her whole life, as well as a political activist. She was active in the Communist Party. She was active as a union organizer. Um, from early on, she used her, her gifts and skills of writing to further her political cause for her um, her own political beliefs. Um, she wrote some really powerful essays about the union activity that was happening in the 30s. And as she got older, she started writing fiction as well. Um, and as soon as her fiction started getting published, uh, she got a lot of, of recognition for it. Her writing really told the stories of working class people and women at a time when those stories weren't really being written about so much. And then she, um, into her, her 50s and 60s, she became a speaker and a teacher. And I see that as work that she did that was as powerful and as meaningful as her writing because she really believed that everybody has a story to tell, especially people who haven't had a chance to tell that story um, she lived in San Francisco for most of her adult life until just towards the, the end of her life as she began to develop Alzheimer's. She moved to, to Berkeley where she spent the last, I think, five or six years of her life. What kind of role did she have in your family? I read somewhere that she had a sort of tormented relationship with the ways that uh, family obligations can stand in the way of uh, creative pursuits. And so what kind of grandmother was she? What kind of role did she have in your larger family? Yeah, well, I think it's true that she was tormented, but the the fact of the matter is she was an amazing grandmother, and she was very much the matriarch of our family. Um, you know, of course, you might get a different story if you talk to her daughters, <laughs> but for me, you know, she was my grandmother. We we had an amazing relationship. Um, I... I, I I actually feel like we were f just friends. We were great friends, and she was so loving, and she spent so much time caring for me and teaching me things, um, explaining the world to me, showing me the world. Can you give us any specific examples? Well, we would just play. You know, I, I, w I would go over to her apartment in San Francisco and play. She would just, she had blocks and she had Legos and all kinds of things, and we would just sit for hours and create together, and I think... She was a strong believer in the power of creativity, and I think she just embraced that with me, and it was beautiful. And that's, I honestly think that's what drives this project, that's what drives this music, is my my connection with my grandmother, um, separate from her as a writer, separate from her as a public figure, but this deep love and intimacy that we shared um, she's my grandmother, and, and I'll always be a little boy with her, playing with her. And this, this, this project was us playing together, although it definitely got into some serious play, you know. But. 
Let's get back to the music for a moment. One of the qualities that so many of the songs on Makings uh, share is a kind of sparseness and also really a melancholy. Mm. Uh, I hear that very much in the song Insomnia Flower, and Mm -hmm. so I want us to listen to it. But before we do, can you set it up for us a little bit? What do we need to know about this particular song? Insomnia Flower was one of the songs that I really think of poetically. Um, I kind of pulled things together that are all sort of loosely related to this idea of sleep and insomnia, but that maybe don't connect in such a clear, concise way, and and, and just pulled them together as images, as poetry. And they just created a beautiful song. It's one of my favorite songs on this album. was grounded in social activism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that something that you inherited, and was Jewish identity something uh, that was part of your coming up? Yeah, I mean, when I think about what being Jewish meant to me growing up, um, I think it was probably very different from what a lot of people who grew up Jewish felt. I I had no doubt that I was Jewish, and thinking about Tilly's influence and, and and my mother's side of the family, Tilly was my mother's mother, I think there was this very strong sense of Jewish identity and Jewish heritage, despite the fact that I don't think I ever set foot in a synagogue. But I definitely had a sense that, yes, that that my family's social activism, our sense of social justice, um, our sense of trying to make the world a better place was somehow linked to this idea of being Jewish. Um, I, I think that, you know, Tilly really had this sort of specific kind of humanist, idealist, um, utopian almost um, sense of the potential of people and the potential of the world and, and the potential to make the world a better place. And I definitely had a sense that that was connected to her Jewish heritage and in turn my Jewish heritage. Are there any songs on makings that particularly reflect her kind of Jewish activist orientation? I think that Tilly's politics were inseparable from her love for people um, and, and her deep sense of connection with people. She really believed so deeply in the potential of everybody, the potential of humanity as a whole, to love and to and to to do good and to reach out to each other. And so I think while not a lot of these songs speak directly and explicitly to her 
political work, many of them speak to that underlying love and idealism that drove her political work as well as as her writing. Um, Yeah, I think one of those songs is Hymn to Life, where she's really just trying to convey something about her trust in life, her love in life, um, her, her deep belief that despite all of the struggle and torment, that life is beautiful and life is good and it's worth living for oneself and it's worth living for others to be able to connect to others and reach out to others. Let's go out on that. Okay. Life is a miracle, you, you, you are a miracle, breath, breath, to breathe is a miracle, words, air, children a miracle. Like a little grandmother, she's like a little grandmother. I brought her some nasturtium, and out flew a ladybug. She's down on her hands and knees, looking for the little creature to return it to the yellow flower and put it in a scrap of yarn so that it may continue to live. Jesse Olson Bay, thank you so much for speaking with us. My pleasure. Jesse Olson Bay is a performer and composer based in Sebastopol, California. His new album is called Makings. You can find out more about the album on our website, tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. You can find us both on Twitter. My handle is Sarah Ivry, S-A-R-A, I as in Igloo, V as in Victor, R as in Roy, Y as in Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. She too could not take light. She could spill no blood. She too could not take light. She could spill no blood. She too could not take light. She could spill no blood. She too could not take light.